Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. Maybe you've been reading and uh, you've come across something that's confused you or intrigued you, we'd love to talk with you about it, hopefully answer those questions for you. And it's also the place where you can call with your prayer requests. The vision behind the show is to give you a place to call in, talk to a pastor, and ask those Bible questions, have those prayer requests prayed for, not only by me, but of course by all of the people who are tuning in um, here in all of our listening regions and those who are tuning in in different places around the country and around the world online. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you and hopefully answer your questions. So please give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. You are hearing this program live today. Welcome to the program. We also want to welcome those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And we also want to welcome those of you tuning in today on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So glad to see, so blessed to see how God is growing the family of you know, syndicated stations who are part of this Grace FM community or part of this Calvary Live community, I should say, rather. We want to remind you, those of you who are listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, so on the East Coast and in the Appalachian region, uh, for those of you listening on those stations, you are hearing this program on a one-week delay. So keep that in mind, um, just that as you call in, you know, you're the the conversation you're hearing is not the same one that's airing live, but that's actually a unique opportunity for you guys in those regions as well. We would love for you to call in. Then you guys have the opportunity the following week to tune in, maybe tell some friends, and that also helps spread the word about Grace or sorry about Calvary Live. And um, then you'll be able to hear yourself and hear your call on the radio and all that. We also want to give a big hello to everyone who's listening online. Those of you who tune on in online, you're hearing this live as well. And you can do that on our app and on our website. So you can go to gracefm.com, which is the website. You can do that in your browser, desktop, laptop, or even on your phone or tablet. And you can, there in that website, there's a place to listen live. Or you can download the app on your phone or tablet. Just go to your app store, type in gracefm, it's one word, and it will come right up. It's a free app. You can download it and you can listen anywhere you are in the world. Speaking of people listening online anywhere in the world, I just got the map sent to me of where people are tuning in right now. 
And it looks like we have some listeners over on the East Coast, some people in the Midwest, definitely not in our broadcast range, which is really cool to see how people outside the broadcast range are able to tune in. So we got some around, looks like uh, Northern Idaho, of course, here in Colorado on the front range, looks like Las Vegas, Los Angeles, as well as Ukraine, South Korea, and South Africa. So it's so great how this technology that we have today is being leveraged to get the word out there and to hopefully bless you and edify you with some encouraging uh, and informative content that's going to point you to Jesus. And um, yeah, producers asking me why no one's listening in Hungary. I don't know. It, it's partly because it's midnight in Hungary right now, but I'm proud of these Ukrainian listeners, man. I know it's one in the morning in Ukraine right now. So those guys are, those guys are awesome. Unless they listen to this to go to sleep, in which case, well, now I'm not feeling so good about myself, but I don't know if that's why they're listening. So I'm just going to pretend it's not. So, um, hey, I um, want to tell you a few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We're a Calvary Chapel affiliated church, and we meet at 700 Longs Peak Avenue in downtown Longmont. So if you are in or around Longmont, we would love it if you would come and visit with us and worship the Lord with us. We often have people who come uh, here in this show and our and our radio show, which airs every day on Grace FM. And I love it when I get to meet people at church, you know, who come up to me afterwards and say, hey, we heard you on the radio. So if that's you and you're looking for a place to go to church this coming Sunday, you live within driving distance of Longmont, we'd love it if you'd come worship with us. Uh, we have a great children's ministry, great worship ministry. God's doing good things at Whitefields, and we'd love for you to be a part of it. We'd love for you to come and grow with us. So our website, where you can get directions, you can listen to some past messages, you can meet our staff and all of those great things, our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. You can also find us on all the social media channels. You know, we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We have a kind of YouTube channel, which is really growing right now, kind of building that. And uh, we put out weekly videos in addition to our sermon videos, and those are you know, it's kind of like a vlogging type thing where we, me and our worship pastor, we sit down and we talk about the scriptures and we talk about this week's sermon, or maybe we'll interview somebody, a missionary or something like that. So check that out on our YouTube channel at Whitefields Community Church. And um, you can also hear me every weekday on Grace FM. Our show airs at 2.30 p.m. every weekday, uh, 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time every weekday and on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So if for some reason you're not able to be in church, we'd love it if you tune in and listen to our message there Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. If you'd like to visit us in person, that would be great. Our church is located at 700 Longs Peak Avenue in downtown Longmont, and we are just on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street, and we're just to the direct south of the downtown park and ride. We're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue. St. Vrain Memorial Building is the name of the building we meet in, and it's really a big hub for the city of Longmont. We're right on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in town, and um, it's just a great place to be, to be at the heart of the city, and our desire is to bring God's Word to the, the people in this region in just a verse-by-verse -verse fashion that lets them hear God's word, you know, we call it expository preaching. And what expository preaching means is that we expose the meaning of the text to help it, help it become clear. Not that it 
isn't clear, but we want to help people see it and apply it to their lives. And so that's what we're all about. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., and we'd love to have you worship with us. Let's go to our first caller here, Rudy in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Rudy. Welcome to the program. Pastor Nick, how's it going? Going great. What's Good. up? Well, I just, first of all, just uh, I, I started my morning off this morning thinking about you guys, all of you as your producers, and how you guys are here for us. And, you know, personally, for you guys, me and my situations, and, you know, following Jesus Christ, God bless you, and have a good weekend. You know, I, um, I, I, talk, I talk to my pastors at church, and, you know, people uh, in, in my marriage and my problems I've had in the past, but I always look forward to 3 o'clock when I get off of work to listen to you guys and then to get on the radio I haven't been on in a while. But I just kind of want to put out a, a kind of a testimonial of what Jesus has been doing for me in my life since I started following him and gotten saved. Me and my wife both, you know, I was just really, really bad at one time, and, you know, I laid it all in his hands, and it's just like it says, I've just... I'm so excited that on Fridays, I don't have that urge to do anything negative. It's yeah. just my family, my home, and everything. And to listen to you guys, and it's just great. Love it. That's I cool, love man. it. That's great. I just, I just want to put it out there that you know Jesus is great. God is great. You know I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and uh, man, man, I share like I said, I share this with my church. I go to church, and you know what I take from church it gets me through the week but every day it's just i look forward to listening to you guys and uh you know just i'm yeah. excited that i'm a changed person and it's i tried Praise everything Glad to hear it. not hanging out with friends the only thing that worked and the only one who's followed me through my whole life of negativity was jesus he was patient with me and when i gave it all to him gave him my my whole life i'm just I I just I'm just so filled with following him. It's beautiful. It's 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 I don't I can't explain. Yeah. It. It's just so. That's awesome, man. I mean, that's what we need, right? World. We need uh, transformation. And I think you know one of the cool things that uh, we see in our lives is that when we do experience that transformation, it affects more than just our our spirit, right? Our soul it affects more than just our the fact that we're going to heaven. It affects how we live here and now. And there's this kind of collateral benefit. You know, we always talk about like collateral damage. Well, I've seen it a lot of times where people become Christians and there's like this collateral benefit that everybody connected to them benefits from, right? So like your kids, right? As you are changed, maybe you're leaving behind some of the things of the flesh that you were involved in before. Guess who benefits? Well, you do, but also your kids do. Also your wife does. You know, you're going to be a better employee, you're going to be a better dad, better husband. I, I was telling somebody, you know, that I was, um, I really came to the Lord. I was born again when I was 16 years old and I was in high school. And prior to that, you know, I was getting into some trouble and stuff. I mean, nothing major, but, you know, one of the big tangible things in my life that was noticeable was that um, I was, I became a better student. I started doing better in school. Uh, why? Because, well, because I wasn't doing those same things that were just dragging me down. And the other thing was that I became a better son to my parents. You know, I, my relationship with my parents improved. So there's kind of like collateral benefit that happens when you start following Jesus. And it's almost like, wow, everybody wins. And you know what that is? I mean, that's what we talk about, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God means the realm in which God reigns, in which God rules. And we can have the kingdom of God in our lives when we submit ourselves to him. 
and in the kingdom of God, right? So sin is bad. Uh, sin. I always put it this way to my church. I say, hey, listen, sin is not bad because it's forbidden, right? In other words, the reason, some people say, well, the reason you shouldn't sin is because God says not to. Well, no, 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 no. Just think about the opposite. Sin isn't bad because it's forbidden. Rather, sin is forbidden because it's bad, right? And so God loves you and he wants you to be happy. And I say happiness is directly correlated with holiness. What happens is that when you start following Jesus, when he starts transforming you from the inside out by his spirit that he puts in you as a deposit, uh, so many practical things in your life change and get transformed and, and everybody wins. So let me just pray for you, Rudy that God would just continue to strengthen you and give you that firm foundation in him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for Rudy. And we just ask, Lord, thank you for the work you're doing in his life. Thank you, Lord, that you've saved him. Thank you that you're working in his life to bring about transformation. Lord, we know that um, everybody wins, Lord, when we give our lives to you. And so I pray for Rudy, Lord, that you just help him to be rooted and grounded. Lord, that as he is now uh, walking with you, Jesus, that you would... Let him put down deep roots like a tree planted by streams of living water that his roots would go deep and that his leaf would not fade and that when the wind blows, Lord, that he would be stable in you, that you just help him be rooted and grounded in you. Lord, build him up in your word. Build him up in the knowledge of you. And Lord, just help him be that, that dad that you know that he can be by your strength within him and the husband and the, the worker. So Lord, we just pray that you bless him in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you Amen. guys so much. God bless you and have a good weekend. Awesome. God bless you, Rudy. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is from Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, your prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you. We would love to pray for you. So give us a call, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. So today, this morning, as we wait for a few calls, we've got some texts to go to, which we'll go to in a minute. But I'll just, uh, as we're waiting for calls to come in, I'll just tell you what I was up to this morning. I was over at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado, which is, of course, where Grace FM and their studio is based out of. And we had a pastor's breakfast for a lot of uh, local pastors um, all over the state of Colorado and um, even in some of the guys from southern Wyoming come down. We do this a couple times a year. We had a friend of mine there. His name is Pastor Ray Dash, and Ray has a great ministry in Newark, New Jersey called the Rock Christian Fellowship. And, you know, Ray is is an incredible guy. He's, you know, when he was 22 years old, he started a ministry to youth in prisons. He started going into the projects, some of the worst projects in the United States, and, um, and planted a church in Newark, New Jersey. So, uh, I got to interview him after our pastor's breakfast. Ray taught, and we had a, a prayer time for the pastors. And then afterwards, I got to interview Ray for the Expositors Collective podcast. So the Expositors Collective is a group of pastors that I'm involved with, and um, and some of the other pastors who are here on uh, Grace FM were involved with this group. And it's it's really an initiative. You know, it's a growing network of pastors and leaders 
who are committed to helping raise up the next generation of expository preachers. And we do that through two things. One of those is through, we do kind of two-day training weekend seminars, and we do those around the country and pretty soon around the world. And those are places where, where young people ages 18 to 34 can come and they can get mentored and trained over the course of two days. And then ongoing mentorship happens out of that. And we just did one of these last week in Las Vegas, Nevada. It was really great, a huge blessing. I was out there with Cody King, who's also um, one of the hosts here on Calvary Live. He was He's part of our team. And so we do those training weekends. The other thing we do to help raise up the next generation of expository preachers is we do a podcast. And, uh, f you know, we've been doing this podcast for about a year and a half now. And um, the main guy who does it is a friend of mine named Mike Neglia. And then um, I'll help him out every now and then on the podcast. But we thought this podcast was just, um, you know, just kind of like some people are listening to it, probably just people we know who, you know, want to be nice and listen to our podcast. And then we got some numbers on it just last week, and we're, we're averaging like 10,000 downloads a month. So it turns out this thing is, is really blowing up. So I would encourage you, go check it out. And pretty soon my episode that I, I recorded with Ray today will be up there as well. So you get to hear that. But there's, uh, there's about 80 or 90 episodes already up there. We'd love it if you go check that out. That's expositorscollective.com is the website. And then you can also just search whatever podcast engines you use whatever podcast app you use just type in there expositors collective it'll come right up and you can check out those episodes i'm heading out uh next week with our worship pastor mike here in here at whitefields and we're going to europe uh, to hungary and to ukraine and in hungary we're going to do one of these training weekends for preachers and then um, we are going to be going to ukraine to do a a leadership training um, seminar that we do every year for that. So please pray for us as we travel. And, you know, a lot of people right now are really worried about coronavirus. Um, so I would say pray for us as we travel. But let's also just take a moment right now to pray for those who are being affected by the coronavirus. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, we lift up those who are being affected right now by this virus. Um, or especially pray for the elderly, and people with weakened immune systems who seem to be being affected the most by this. Lord, we pray that um, by your power, you would put a stop to this spread of this disease. We pray for those who are sick, Lord, that they would get better. And Lord, we pray for safety for those who are traveling, especially those who are traveling in airplanes and, and areas where people are in tight spaces. Lord, we pray um, for a cure for this. Uh, there would be a vaccine. Something would be discovered, Lord. And we ask that you would um, heal, Lord, that you would give knowledge and information and insight to those, everyone who's working on this. And Lord, we pray that you would protect, especially those who are weakest among us, and that, Lord, you would um, also calm our fears. Lord, we know that one day all of us are going to die unless you come back. And so, Lord, I pray that this would be even something you use for your glory, that people would say, hey, wow, I don't know how much time I have left um, and I need to get right with God. So Lord, I pray that you would use this um, to help people embrace your glorious gospel and bring them to that point of thinking about mortality even. So Lord, we pray that you would use even this bad and, and, and uh, 
terrible thing that people are sick and dying. Lord, we pray that you would even use this for good. But we do pray for those who are sick. We pray for those uh, who might be affected, Lord, for protection, for healing, and uh, Lord, for a cure. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. Give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Okay, we've got a text question here. It says this. How do you think the local churches should be preparing to step in the gaps or step up to fill in gaps that could be created by a pandemic here in the United States? How should local churches be preparing to step up to fill in the gaps? You know, what's interesting is that local churches do this, right? And and I don't think that they get enough credit, of course, you know, because of the ways that the, our, our culture might uh, spin things a lot of times. But, you know, when we had a flood here in Longmont 2013, uh, I had just moved here from Europe. And in Europe, we had worked with refugees. And so for us, it was really natural that, hey, there's a big flood in our town. Like people are displaced and all that. Let's step in. You know, let's house people. Let's feed people. Let's take care of it. And I guarantee that local churches will do this um, in, in the coming months. And who knows if it's going to be years. But if there is a, a pandemic here in the United States, I guarantee that you're going to see Christian organizations um, stepping up and filling in gaps. And the ways that churches can do that, I would just recommend that churches be ready to spend money on that, you know, spend money on whatever needs to be done, whether that's, um, you know, medical care, whether that is facilitating, you know, needs to get sanitizers out there to care for children. I mean, this is one of the scary parts about this is that a lot of the people being affected are people in their 50s and up. And so, you know, that if this keeps going on. I mean, we're going to see children who are um, displaced from families. And one of the one of the most amazing things about the gospel, right? So and the gospel, even in the book of Romans, says that adoption is a picture of the gospel, right? So what God does for us in Christ is like adoption. He calls us his children. He, may, he brings us into his family, even though we are you know, outsiders. We were outsiders. He makes us insiders. He gives us a new name. He brings us into a family and gives us a new destiny and showers his riches on us. And I would just say that Christians, that is one of the main ways that we can do this. You know, if there are children who end up in foster care, children who end up um, being displaced, let's be those who step up and like God has done for us, let's do it in a tangible way for others. And let's be prepared for that. And I would just challenge you out there, you know, even if there's not a pandemic, maybe consider how God would want to use you uh, to take care of children who are displaced, um, children who are in foster care. That's a really, uh, that is a true gospel ministry. And if you look around the world, it is, it always has been, by the way, at, for the last 2,000 years. And it continues to be Christians who are at the um, who are on the cutting edge or on the you know they are on the front lines of taking care of children who are unwanted and unloved and I, I guarantee that that will be one of the ways that we can jump in and help um, if there is a pandemic created by a virus. It says uh, James one twenty seven says this pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and keep oneself unspotted from the world. That's how. We live out our faith. That's how we, you know, reflect the gospel is with our actions in those ways.
Let's go to our first caller, or not our first caller, but let's go to Paul in New Jersey. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing? Doing well. What's up? Okay. Uh, my question, uh, being born again and a believer in Christ, I always believed that when Jesus uh, told the thief on the cross that today you will be with me in, in paradise, that when you pass, your soul goes immediately to heaven. But recently I've had some people that disagree with me and tell me that there's like a waiting area, Sheol or something like that. Yeah, so let me kind of break this down. I mean, I would say that you're right, but there's something right about what they're saying too, although I, I kind of disagree with at least how you um, passed on their conclusion. So there, okay, let's, let's put it this way. Let's start before Jesus came, okay? What happens to people when they die? Well, we see that in the Old Testament, and one of the best um, insights into this is found in Luke chapter 16, second half of Luke 16. Okay, so then uh, let's also keep in mind the Psalms. So David says in like Psalm 139, even if um, I go to Sheol, you are there. Well, that's interesting, right? Because hell, according to Second Thessalonians, is the absence of the presence of God. So what does this all add up to? Well, let's go back to before Jesus, and then we're going to walk our way through the Bible and, and come to some conclusions, okay? So Sheol was understood by the Jews in the Old Testament as the, the uh, dwelling place of the dead. Now, that includes those who died who were righteous and those who were unrighteous. Okay, so everybody goes to Sheol. But what we learn in Luke 16 is that Sheol has a division, which makes sense because of how it talks about in the Old Testament, like Job, for example, somehow has this confidence that though he dies, God is going to resurrect him and he is going to see God in the flesh with his own eyes. So Job has this hope, and yet it's not really explained to us very clearly until we get like to Jesus, and Jesus explains it to us in Luke 16 in what is not a parable, it's a story. And so Jesus says in Luke 16 that there is uh, a division in Sheol between what he calls Abraham's bosom, which he says is a place of comfort, and then there is Hades or hell, which is a place of torment. Now, let's put it this way. Sheol is a waiting area. So your friends are right in that sense. And the reason we know that is because of what happens in Revelation. Okay, so let's put it this way. Sheol is divided. And what we see in Luke 16, two people die. They both go to Sheol. But the one of them dies in faith. And so he goes to Abraham's bosom, the place of righteousness, you know, the place where the righteous dead go, where they await their full redemption, which will come through the Messiah. Now, the other guy, he dies apart from faith, and so he goes to Hades or hell. And then what we're told is, you know, he asks, you know, hey, can I cross over? And the answer is no, there's a great chasm between the two that cannot be crossed. He asks, well, can I go back and tell my family so that they don't end up in this same destiny as me? And he's told, I'm sorry, but that's not possible. Once you're here, you cannot leave. And, um, you know, your family, they have the scriptures and Moses and the prophets, and they should listen to them. It's a very sobering thought. It's, it's actually something I often bring up at funerals, which is this. If your loved one were here today, what would they want you to know? What would they want to say to you? Well, we have this passage in the Bible where 
That's exactly the scenario. There's a person who has passed away, and we know what they want their loved ones to know, and that is, do not follow me to the same destiny. Rather, embrace God's provided redemption through the Messiah. Okay, so we're running out of time. I've got about 30 seconds. Then I'll have to either put you on hold or let you go, but we're going to go to our break, and if I don't finish the answer, I'll have to answer it on the other side of our break. But uh, here's what it amounts to. When Jesus died, what happened to him during that, that three days that he was in the grave? Well, we're told in 1 Peter and in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're also told in the Apostles' Creed, which is really important because it's not scripture, but it tells us what the early Christians believed. Okay, I'm going to go back to that in a second, but it's this, that Jesus descended into Sheol and basically release those who were in Abraham's bosom. But I'll finish this thought right after the break. Thank you for the great question. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We have come up to our mid-show break. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady here with you today answering your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you need uh, prayer for or you need to talk about. We'd love to do that and that's what we're here for. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Right before the break, we were talking to, let me get his name again. It was Paul in New Jersey, and he was asking about, you know, how does this all work? Sheol, what happens to your soul when you die? Do you go to Sheol as a waiting place? So we kind of went back and looked at, Luke 16, look at Psalm 139, and a few other places in the Bible. And Paul, just to finish the thought, um, you know, we look at a few places in the Bible, it seems that there was Sheol, which is a waiting place, and Sheol was divided into two parts. One was a place of comfort for those who died in faith. The other was a place of torment for those who died apart from faith. And here's what I would say is that it seems from First uh, Peter, as well as from Ephesians chapter 4, and the Apostles' Creed, which again is not on the same par as Scripture, but it is important because it tells us what the early Christians believed, which was handed down from the Apostles who were with Jesus, so what they, what they believed. And that is that Jesus, during the time that he was in the grave, descended into hell and led the captives in his train, meaning that what he did is he released those who were in Sheol, but in the part called Abraham's bosom, and the reason why it that had to happen after Jesus had already died is because those people had died in faith that one day God would atone for their sins and you know provide them with forgiveness, redemption, and that happened after Jesus finished his work on the cross. So he was able to then um, you know descend into the you know Haiti or sorry into Sheol and then ascend with those captives, you know, taking those captives in his train, so to say, uh, as the Bible says it, and lead them into the immediate presence of God. Now, that means that those who were in the other part of Sheol, Hades, hell, 
that they are still there and they are still in that waiting area. Now, that waiting area is itself a place of torment, Jesus told us in Luke 16. Okay, so let's answer this question. If you died today, what would happen? Your soul would go and be with God in his presence. So this is like when Paul the Apostle says, uh, you know, we long to depart from the body and be with the Lord because we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you were to die today and you are a believer, you're in Christ, uh, you are saved and you've embraced the gospel, etc., then you, your soul will go be with Christ, but it will be disembodied, right? So here's what will happen. It says in Revelation at the end of the age, it says that Hades and hell will be emptied into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Okay, so what's happening there is that that waiting area is waiting for what? It is waiting for the second death, which is hell and Hades. Or, I'm sorry, which is the lake of fire. Okay, so the other part, where what happens then when Jesus returns, when there's a new heavens and a new earth, what happens to us um, who died in faith, right? Well, what will happen is that we will receive resurrection bodies. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that we will receive resurrection bodies. They'll be different than the bodies we have now, but it would seem like that we'll still be different but recognizable. If you remember when Jesus resurrected, and he's the first fruits, by the way, of those who are raised from the dead, um, we're told. So when Jesus was, you remember they, they walked past him on the road to Emmaus, and they saw him, but they didn't immediately recognize him. But then when he started talking to him, then they recognized him. Oh, there he is. So there's something about this where this resurrection body is somehow recognizable and yet different at the same time. You know, Jesus still has the wounds. You know, he says, put your hands in my wounds. And yet, um, he's also able to eat fish with Peter. He's also able to eat with the disciples in a closed room. But he was able to enter the room without using the door. So it's going to be a different body. But it will be uh, somehow still recognizable. But it will be tangible. And that's a really interesting and important hope that we have. That ultimately... The, the ultimate destiny for those of us who are in Christ is that we will receive new bodies, resurrection bodies, because that means that um, friends of ours who have passed away, that our hope in the gospel isn't just for an ethereal heaven somewhere out there, but it is for the fact that we will embrace them again. We will dance with them again. We will, you know, kiss them again. I mean, this is an amazing hope that we have in Jesus, and the good news is that it really is true. Let's go to our next caller, Mark in Elizabeth, Colorado. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks, Nick. How are you? Doing great. What's up? Um, so I've been dealing with a lot of anxiety lately, um, which seems to be uh, quite common, but it's like having a lack of work and um, maybe not being able to pay bills causes anxiety. And then now that i got work, um, like feeling anxiety, um, you know, because of deadlines. But I just wanted to ask for a prayer for that. And also, um, how do you guys feel about anxiety medication? Yeah, great, great question. Okay, so here's what I would tell you, is that in the case in which it is a physical problem, right, which could be a chemical disorder, then, you know, if, if you have a sickness like um, whatever sickness you might have, Right, and you take medication for that sickness. Like, for example, I have a thyroid 
disorder. So my thyroid is under-functioning. So in order to get it up back up to a normal level, I take a synthetic thyroid, and that helps me. Okay, well, I think that that's the case for some people who have anxiety and depression. But I would say that you got to be really sure. Because on the other hand, the Bible has a lot to say about anxiety. So, so in a case like yours, my question to you would be, okay, listen, is, is your anxiety a physical, chemical disorder? And if it is, then it would make sense for you to get help. And that is one of the ways that God provides for us. But on the other hand, I think that in many cases, it is not necessarily a physical or chemical disorder as much as it is a spiritual issue, which we have the tools to deal with in God's word and by the power of God's spirit. And so I would not tell you immediately to, you know, hey, take some medication to make yourself feel better. What I would do is I'd say, hey, let's, uh, let's deal with that. You know, hopefully you have a pastor, you have somebody in your life who's a spiritual leader. And uh, that, that can be somebody who can you can deal with those things with without having to turn to medication. Now, again, I'm not against medication, but I do think that it should not be the answer for everybody because a lot of times what we're dealing with, you know, uh, worry, anxiety. These are things the Bible talks about, and it tells us how to deal with them. You know, we look at like Philippians chapter 4, which says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Make your needs known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So what we have there is a remedy for anxiety that is not a chemical or um, medical issue, but rather one that's related to you know, the worries of life. Jesus talks about the worries and anxiety of life in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, where he says, hey, you know, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Uh, enough for every day is its own problems. And he says, look at the grass of the field, you know. Look at the birds of the air. You know, they, they don't toil, they don't worry, and your Heavenly Father provides for all of them, and they're clothed more beautifully than, or, you know, so look at the lilies of the field. You know, they don't spin and toil and stress out, and yet God makes them more beautiful, adorns them more than Solomon in all of his glory. And so these are very, very practical ways. And there's so much of the Bible that deals with this. You know, there's a really interesting passage in Second Kings. Um, I just taught on it a few weeks ago, and I didn't teach on this aspect of it, by the way, but, it, but it's worth talking about. And it is that there's a time when Elijah the prophet, he has this great victory over the prophets of Baal. You know, the story where he calls down fire from heaven. And then, you know, he, he feels like he's the only one in the whole country who hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. And they have this whole thing, you know, show who's God. And the, you know, Elijah pours water on the sacrifice and calls down fire from heaven. And God sends this fire and it burns up the sacrifice. And, and then he has victory that day over all the prophets of Baal. Well, the most interesting part of that story is perhaps what happens in the next chapter, which is that Elijah is exhausted. He gets depressed because the queen, the evil queen Jezebel, says, Elijah, I'm sick and tired of you doing this thing and opposing us, so I'm going to send some people to kill you. So Elijah runs off into the wilderness, and he runs for an entire day until he collapses under like the first tree that he sees. You know, there's not a lot of trees in the desert. So he collapses under this tree 
and um, he says to God, God, please just kill me. I don't want to live anymore. And he essentially says, uh, I'm a loser. I'm, my dad was a loser, and I'm just as much of a loser as he was. And God, please, I just want to die. And it's interesting how God deals with him. You know, is God telling Elijah, knock it off, you know, don't talk like that. No, God actually says, Elijah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a, take a nap. Like, go, go get some real rest. And then God provides for him food. And, you know, this food is brought to him. So he has a meal. And, and the point is this. You know, sometimes, um, you know, what we call depression is sometimes really discouragement. And sometimes what we need is not medication. What we need are, are things which are very normal and natural. We need rest. We need um, fellowship. We need to be encouraged. And then what happens is that Elijah stands up after, you know, sleeping, sleeping for a while, eating. He stands up and then God speaks to him. But remember the story that God didn't speak in the whirlwind, but God spoke in the still, small voice, which means that Elijah had to quiet himself and quiet his focus and God spoke to him in that time. And the message God gave him was, Elijah, you thought you were the only one. You thought that everybody else was, it was you against the world. He goes, but what you don't realize is that there are 7,000 in Israel who have not bowed the knee to Baal. In other words, Elijah, you thought you felt honestly like you were alone, but you're not. And then God tells him, now go back and do this thing. And so sometimes what we need is not... Uh, medication what we need is rest we need encouragement we need to hear the voice of God we need to um, we need a purpose I, I've heard it said that the opposite of depression uh, is not happiness it's purpose and so um, I, I absolutely believe that there is such a thing as uh, medical chemical depression and anxiety and those require um, you know medical remedies but in the case of, of many of are things that cause us anxiety and worry. Uh, there are some very real ways in which the Bible gives us other instructions. It tells us it's a spiritual problem sometimes. So I hope that so answers. If, um, so if I try to sit down, because I work from home out in my shop, and if I, so if I try to sit down and read my Bible, uh, like before I go out to work, that there's been a couple of times that that caused anxiety too, because like am I just stressing myself out because it's making me feel like putting me behind even more, and I shouldn't take time to read my Bible, or is that just like uh, spiritual warfare? Well, well, listen, I don't know what is your schedule or what are the best times for you to be reading the Bible. Um, but yeah, I can imagine that reading your Bible and putting yourself behind schedule and, you know, making yourself late for things, of course that will make you anxious. I would say consider your schedule. Consider maybe there are things that you cut out, you know. I know that probably looking at statistics, most of us watch Netflix and YouTube more than we ought to, more than we need to, right? So there are probably probably things in your life that you could look at and say, okay, I'm going to choose to seek the Lord Instead of doing this thing, that'd be a better use of my time, and you know, filling your heart with those biblical principles. But again, it's not just a not just a one step fix all type of solution, right? This isn't just hey, read your Bible and it's all going to be great, right? Like I, I believe this is a holistic approach, 
It's the approach of walking with God that, that's given to us in the Bible. And I would say that it includes everything from fellowship with other believers. It includes hearing the word of God spoken and taught. It includes singing. I just heard this great quote this week that said this. You know, St. Augustine said that when we sing, what we're doing when we worship, we're singing the truth into our hearts. Man, so many of us need that, right? And so I would say make it a holistic approach um, and just truly seek the Lord. But you know what? If you need to go to your doctor and get a medical opinion, I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Okay. Sounds good. All right, I appreciate your time. Let me pray for you. Okay. And then I'll let you go. Heavenly Father, I pray for Mark. Lord, I pray that you would calm his anxiety. Lord, I pray that in everything, with prayer and supplication, he would make his needs known to you and that your peace, which passes understanding, would reign in his heart and guard his heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. You bet, Mark. God bless Have a good you. night. All right, bye. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. That was a great call from Mark. Let's go to our next caller, Dawn in Baltimore. Maryland. Hi, Dawn. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you. What's up? Hello? I'm here. I can hear you. (laughs) Um, My question is, um, are seven-day Adventists, is that a a faith? Well, are they saved? Because uh, you're supposed to have 100% in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ alone saved. And they have said to me, you have to keep the Ten Commandments as well as believe in that. So uh, my question, uh, question, are they saved? If well, they're um, added. Yeah, yeah let's, let's answer that question. Here's why that's a difficult question to answer just as a yes or no. Okay, because uh, I, you know, if you were to ask me, Nick, are Baptists saved? My answer would probably be similar to what my answer is for this one. Well, I would probably say I'm sure that some people who are Baptists are saved, and I'm sure that there are other people who are not, right? Uh, now, that wouldn't be the case with other, with like just any religion in the world, right? Okay, so let's just say this. Are Seventh-day Adventists saved? Here's my answer. I, I am quite sure that there are many Seventh-day Adventists who are saved, and I'm quite sure that there are some who call themselves Seventh-day Adventists who are not. Um, and I would say that that's probably true of other denominations as well. But here's here's uh, just one little thing I'll tell you. I had a guy on the show, or so somebody who was listening to the show. His name was Mark. He contacted me after the show one day, and he said, hey, could I come down to Longmont, and could I take you out to lunch one day? Okay, so he comes down to Longmont. He uh, didn't tell me this until we are sitting down at the table eating lunch, and he says, hey, so I'm a Seventh-day Adventist pastor from another city here in Colorado. And he goes on to tell me, he goes, hey, I am right there with you on all these things. He goes, hey, look, my conviction is that we should worship on Saturdays. But um, but look, I, I don't hold that dogmatically. I I um, you know, I don't believe that we're saved by our works. I believe that we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone which is, of course, what I believe, and I believe that's what the Bible teaches. And so, I mean, I will tell you this. I'm pretty sure this guy, Mark, now here's the other thing. It's really hard for me to make a determination as to who's saved and who's not, and I'm really glad that that's not up to me to decide. But I'll tell you, this guy, Mark, I expect to be spending time with him in eternity, in heaven. 
Now, I'm sure there are other, other Seventh-day Adventists, um, as there may be other people in many denominations, who have added things to the gospel, and um, they are no long, you know, they have, I would say, adulterated the gospel in the sense of they have added things. This is like classic Book of Galatians stuff, right? Like when you add anything, Jesus plus anything equals not the gospel. Now, the reason we obey the Ten Commandments is in response to what Jesus has done for us. It is not to earn what Jesus has done for us. Okay, so important distinction. Now, I did actually get a text message uh, that I haven't been able to answer here at the show um, today. And that text message was asking, you know, what does the Bible say about worshiping on Saturday versus Sunday? And here's my very clear answer says very clearly in Colossians that we are not to judge people based on certain days of the week. And when the Bible talks about, uh, it says, and here's why, it says there in Colossians that these things are but a shadow, but the substance is in Christ. Okay, so we have this teaching in the Old Testament, God rested on the seventh day, which I have no problem agreeing. That was Saturday, according to our, our, the Jewish calendar, right? Day starts on Sunday, ends on Saturday. But there's a whole lot of theology that goes into showing why it is actually appropriate and right for Christians to worship on Sunday. And it's not just that Sunday is the replacement for Saturday. It's something much deeper and much greater than that. And it's actually this idea that Sunday is the eighth day, which is the day of new beginnings, right? So we have the whole week. We have the day Saturday, the day when God rests the seventh day. And then what happens after that? Well, we know in the New Testament that in Christ we are new creations. So the new creation begins on the eighth day, which is, of course, Sunday. The reason why Christians celebrate uh, on Sunday is because historically, even the Jewish Christians very early on would gather on Sunday. They would gather around 6 a.m. around sunrise because remember, Sunday was not a day off. In the Roman Empire, they didn't have days off. And so Sunday was a work day. You gather on Sunday at like 6 a.m. for worship and for um, singing, sometimes preaching. Then you go to work, work all day long. And then in the evening, you would gather again and they would take communion. They would have a fellowship meal and they would maybe there would be more preaching. There'd be more singing, more praying. That's how church was done for the first several hundred years of Christianity. And it was done on Sundays because Sunday is the day when Jesus resurrected. Now, some of those people still would even go to synagogue. Sometimes there would even be synagogue gatherings of Christians who would gather in, in uh, Jewish settings on Saturdays. But Sunday was the day when we celebrated every week Jesus' resurrection. So, are Seventh-day Adventists saved? I'm sure that there are, are many who are. But I'll also say this. Anyone who adds to the gospel, Paul says, whether it's an angel who adds to the gospel and tells you Jesus is a good start, but he's not all that you need. He says, let them be anathema, which means let them be cursed because they're preaching to you a different gospel, a gospel of works rather than a gospel of grace. So um, I hope that answers your question, Dawn. Thank you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, well, God bless you. Thank you. God bless you back. <laughs> okay, bye-bye. All right. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Got one more caller, Bill in Maryland. Hi, Bill. Welcome to the program. Yes. 
Thank you. Um, my question is, uh, I got it's the New King James Version, um, Revelation 20, verse 7. And I'll read it. It says, Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out and deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. So why would he be released if he's been captured? Yeah, that's a really good question. I wrote an article on this, which is titled, Why is Satan Released at the End of the Thousand Years? So I'm just going to refer to that article and give you uh, the answer. If you're ever interested, um, you can check it out. It's on my website, which is nickkady.org, and you can find it on there. It's titled, Why is Satan Going to be Released at the End of the Thousand Years? Okay, so here's um, the question. I got this from one of my readers. One of my readers texted in and said, hey, the end in the Bible sounds so beautiful, except for this part about Satan being released. Like, why is that happening? Um, and so here the text is Revelation chapter 20. And it says, you know, and again, let's remember that it's describing in apocalyptic languages some things which will happen leading up to the final judgment. Number one, Satan will be bound for a thousand years. That's Revelation 20 verses 1 through 3. Next, um, now, it's worth noting, by the way, that it doesn't say that Satan will be in hell, only that he will be bound. Now, currently, we know that Satan's abode, right? Where does Satan live, so to say? Does he live in hell? No, actually, the Bible says, like in Job chapter 1, verse 7, that Satan is roaming the earth. As to how or where Satan will be bound, we don't know. Okay, but so first of all, Satan will be bound. Number two, Christians but not non-Christians will be raised from the dead to reign with Christ for this thousand-year period. I'll say that again. So Christians, but not non-Christians, will be raised from the dead to reign with Christ for this thousand-year period. And that's found in Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, Paul encourages the believers that, quote, if we endure, we will also reign with him. Okay, so that's 1 and 2. Now, here's number three. Here's the third thing that we know is going to happen. When the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison, wherever or whatever that is, and he will come out to deceive the nations and lead a war against the saints in Jerusalem. That's Revelation 20, verses 7 through 9. And finally, Satan will be defeated by God and thrown into the lake of fire. That's Revelation 20, verse 10. So those four things, that's really important. So, um, you know, to answer the question, will, will Satan, what will happen? Well, Satan is not released so that he can repent. He is released from being bound, um, and then he's judged by God. But why is he released? Well, it would seem that the reason he's released is so that he can tempt, bring one last temptation, right? And what is the purpose of that? It would be to address the question, of during that thousand year period, whether people have been following God because they weren't tempted or was it because they truly loved God, right? In order for that to happen, their faith has to be put to the test. So God is going to release Satan to lead this last great battle and to bring this last great temptation. So um, I hope that that makes it clear. Uh, what's going to happen and why it's going to happen. Yes, it does. Well, thank you very much, Pastor. I appreciate that. 
Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, and if you're ever interested, check out that blog. I've got like uh, literally hundreds of articles I've written on different topics. A lot of them have been inspired by this show and people calling in with questions or writing in. I haven't had time to answer them online. So it's nickkady.org. Okay, and one prayer request before I leave here. Cool. Uh, we got two minutes, so I think that'll uh, work. Yes, prayer for my uh, me and my wife. My, my wife's name Becky for marriage. Uh, we're separated right now, but things are getting better, so I just want to ask prayer that we can be reconciled. Yeah, that's awesome that things are getting better. Let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Bill and for Becky. I thank you, Lord, that the reconciliation is starting. And Lord, I pray that it would be complete. And I pray that you would get all the honor and all the glory. Lord, we know that you're a God who loves to bring reconciliation. At the end of all things in Christ is the reconciliation of all things to God. And so, Lord, we pray that your reconciliation would be manifested in Bill and Becky's life. Lord, that you would be glorified. Their relationship would not end, but it would continue and that it would be stronger than ever. Um, and Lord, that they would have their relationship centered on you, walking with you and loving you. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You bet. Pastor. God bless you. Bye-bye. Right. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. We've got one minute left, and I just want to address one text message that came in. Someone called a week and a half ago or so asking for prayer for their niece in California who got into an accident. We prayed for that on the air. This person says, I want to give a praise report and say, God is amazing. My niece, Elise, that's her name, has had a very serious neck injury, but by God's grace, she's starting to walk and draw and do things again. Uh, about an eight-year-old level, but she's making progress. Praise the Lord for that. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. You can check out our church, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont online, whitefieldschurch.com. You can check out articles I've written, nickcady.org. And I will be with you again next week. Have a fabulous evening and a great weekend. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.